0: Hello, fellow idiots. This is Nick the Idiot. Uh, real quick, I wanted to say hi to my friend of a long time, uh, Adam Zahn. He, uh, we kind of lost touch for a while, but <clears throat> he has recently phased back in. We phase back into each other's lives, and he's been helping me out a lot with the podcast and how to work it into YouTube and, and all these things that these newfangled kids know about that I don't. So anyway, thanks, Adam. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. I miss your scent hunk of burning man anyway um so i was going to do two more and i don't think i will i'll try to just do just this one and go really quickly um because there's no need to belabor the point maybe next year we can go deeper in because there's i mean there's hours and hours and hours that i could talk about this but um first of all i i want to bring in and it, this is a little bit of a comparison or a contrast a contrast to the joker um i wanted to bring in the dad factor because <clears throat> i and a oh, pause i just so you know i i don't I don't want you to think I negate women and and the mother because I don't um I in in fact it's it's because I had a a really good mom and a strong mother figure that I, I don't I don't have mommy issues. Uh, it was just the dad struggle, whether it was you know the dad I had growing up or the absent father, or if it's just you know God the Father. Uh, I, that, that's where I've had my issues, so that's what I talk about because that's what I see a lot. So I, you know, if you for the for the way it shouldn't be, listen to my Joker podcast, uh, the second one that I did. Um, but for the for a good version, this is the movie. This you see his dad twice. Um, and and so he, he you know, he, he's in Gower's shop and he realized that the pharmacist, old man Gower, has put poison in the pills. So he takes him and he looks on the wall, and there's this candy ad that says, you know, go ask dad for candy or whatever. And he but what he knows, and this is what everybody should know, is he knows he can run to his dad. I mean, he does. He just knows, oh, that's what I'll do. I'll run to my dad. And um, the the prodigal son parable that jesus gives us the, there's a catechism paragraph 1439 that says that like <clears throat> that, that that's kind of the supreme parable for our understanding of god and that only jesus who knows the abyss of the father's love could give us so a simplistic and amazing look into god's love for us as a father um and so this kid like the kid in the the prodigal son he knows when he's in the pig slop and everything has fallen apart and he's reached the end of his rope he says, I'll just go home to my father because he knows he can. Even with all of his mistakes, he can always go home. And you need to know that. like, that God's never mad at you. He's never mad at you. He's never mad at you. He's never upset with you. He's never disappointed. He's never shocked by you. You didn't like, oh, I didn't see that coming. He just he just loves you and wants you home. He wants you to be with him. And so you see his dad this first time because he runs to the Bailey Building and Loan, which, by the way, somebody, my mom bought me a Bailey Building and Loan T-shirt for Christmas. Holy crap. I'm so excited. Anyway, he runs home here. He runs to the Bailey building alone, runs in his dad's in a meeting with Potter, with the antagonist, with the evil one. And uh, the kid just barges into the meeting. And I love it because if my kid barged into a meeting and I'm, I'm facing down toe to toe with my nemesis. I would be a bad dad, bad response, not good. But this dad doesn't. In the midst of, uh, he walks in and he's saying, Potter, I'm not crying. And he says, well, you're begging and that's the same thing. And even in the midst of being insulted, he he just lightly puts his hand on his son's shoulder. And he's like, I know son, I'll, I'll talk to you at home. Okay, I'll talk to you when we get home. And he's totally peaceful. But what you hear him talking to his enemy, this father is saying, Potter, what makes, like, basically, what makes you so cynical and angry? Like, you have everything, and you, why are you so upset? He's even appealing to his enemy on a human level. It's just beautiful, and, and that's the modeling that his, that George Bailey sees in his dad. So, um, <clears throat> you see him that time. I know, son, I'll talk to you when I get home, and then you see him years later, the last time he ever talks to his dad, they're at the table, and what's his dad doing? His dad has spent years um, fighting Potter, and, and taking care of the, those in need. And he tells his son that, he, in a sense, basically, I see the same in you. I kind of always thought you could do this. And whether or not he realizes it, like I said last time, he does end up following in his dad's footsteps. He is that kind of dad. In fact, on his worst day, on the day that he's going to take, he wants to take his life, he comes home, he finds out his daughter's sick. What does he do? He runs upstairs and he find, checks on Zuzu. And there's that whole amazing scene with Zuzu's petals, and that's the thing that, like later when he's like, "Am I alive or not? Am I real or not?" He looks for Zuzu's petals, and they're not there, because that's what he thinks of, his family. And in fact, the opening scene of the movie, <clears throat> you hear um, all these prayers being offered up over Bedford Falls. Please, please be with George. He never thinks of himself. He, that's why he got in this trouble. And he learned that from his dad. <clears throat> and the last thing is in his conversation with his dad. His dad says, "You know." You should get out of here, son, because the only kind of person who should stay here is one who's uh, willing to bow to Potter, which seems so defeatist, but his dad never bowed to Potter. His dad never caved until that dying day. He never caved. And so this is the dad that George Bailey saw, and that's how he became who he became. And I just think that that's important to see. And his mom is in there, too. I mean, it's not... But like I explained it again. Anyway, so the the <clears throat> first Adam's on. Second, the data factor. Third, um, there is a YouTube channel called like stories of old. And um <clears throat> and it's amazing. It's a really amazing, it's wonderful to watch and listen to. You should go check it out. He he like links modern movies to like the stories of old, to the concepts and principles of ancient. It's so good. But he did one on uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I think he called it the antidote to apathy. I think it was, or hopelessness, despair, something like that. Anyway, he brought out a point that um, I I had never thought of before. And if you've seen the movie, then you know, like in the end, you know, this $8,000 goes missing because of his uncle who's absent-minded. Um, and he lost it when he was being arrogant. Anyway, the the money gets lost, and it's just eight grand, but it's enough to scandal and to shut him down, and somebody's going to jail And So anyway, the town rallies together and, you know, they give the 8,000. <clears throat> so uh, one of the things he points out that I guess maybe most people notice, but I never had, <clears throat> is that this whole movie, you see George Bailey as giving for others. He's always giving – he's always there for others, and that's true. But the underlying thing that it's quiet and you never notice – Uh, until it's pointed out is that, but everybody was always there for him too. Like you see in, you know, he saves Gower in the beginning, but then that scene fades to him when he's, it jumps ahead to him as an adult walking into Gower's shop. He squeezes the lighter. I wish I had a million dollars, hot dog. And I'm sorry. Sorry, I got the timeline mixed up. It jumps ahead to him um, wanting to buy some luggage for his journey's right? And so he <clears throat> he is saying, no, I, I need a big one. I need a big chunk of luggage. And it turns out that Gower had bought him luggage and put his name engraved on it so he could travel. Like he was there for him then. On the night that he gets married and they don't have a place to live, they get stuck in town. Um, Bert and Ernie, the cop and the taxi driver, they're there for him. And like at every turn, people are there for him as well. And that's huge to understand because we're never, ever alone, like especially with the communion of saints. you're you actually. I mean, like you just can't be alone. You are not alone. You may feel alone. You may be sitting listening to this with no other humans in the room, but you are not alone. And, of course, the you know, Spirit of God and all that. But the, the entire church, I mean, especially the church triumphant, like the church in heaven that intercedes for us, you can't be alone because they are always there for us and with us, like a great cloud of believers cheering us on as we run. So this is this quiet underlying thing where we think, oh, I made it through this on my own. No, you didn't. You made it through it, but not on your own, because you're never on your own. And you always have that to turn to. You have the church, because God established the church. So there's that. Sorry, I have this cold, and I'm sure it's bothering you, but I guarantee you it doesn't bother you as half as much as it bothers my wife. (laughs) So anyway, um, so the the fourth would be, okay, everything resolves. He he has you know he almost he almost kills himself and then he Clarence jumps in and all of that and there would be more if I get more time maybe tomorrow I'll do another podcast but probably not but there's so much that we could unpack so much goodness so much theology so much depth so much amazingness but in the end all said and done now I'm telling you the final scene where his brother comes in and says a toast to my big brother the richest man in town like I. I have tears now. I have tears every time I see it. It is the most triumphant. Even <clears throat> the grumpy people from the movie are there. <clears throat> Everybody is there for him. It is this moment where triumph reigns. There's only goodness. And it, it is such a beautiful moment. But, um, and it, this, the like stories of old podcast pointed this out too. But I, I was planning on speaking this as well. But nothing in his situation besides that 8,000 had changed. He's still never leaving Bedford Falls. He still has the same old drafty house and all those kids. And he still has the knob on the stairwell that doesn't work. Nothing has changed except him. His circumstances hadn't changed at all. In fact, that 8,000, okay, sure, the town came together, and that's great. But he's still him. He's still in the same situation he was before. But life is wonderful. Why? Because he had changed. Because his perception had changed. His awareness of the truth around him had changed. Because actually, you know, he runs into the house. <clears throat> Early in the movie, he grabs that sh- the, the loose knob on the railing. And it, he almost throws it. You can see that anger, which is such good acting. But then after the fact, he runs into the house and it comes off in his hand. And he just, <laughs> and he puts it back on there. I think he kisses it. Yeah, he kisses it. And he runs up to see Zuzu. Like everything, everything is the same, but it brings him joy. All the situation is still dark or it it looks like it would be dark, but it's not because he's changed because he's, he's allowed, he's been allowed that amazing glimpse to see. No, no, no. You actually really have a wonderful life. And I, you know, I wish, you know, so we're at 10 minutes and 45 seconds, And I can just wind it down because it's Christmas. But I just, I think out of all the things that this movie offers, I I think that that deep underlying, sorry, I I can't clear my throat enough. The underlying fact that when these bad things are happening, it is a wonderful life. When he's, you know, the possibility of jail and scandal and all that, it is still a wonderful life. And I, gosh, it would be amazing if this Christmas season, like if when, you know, we're thinking about the baby Jesus and stuff like that and all, all that it means, all, all the deep theology behind saying the baby Jesus, which is just mind blowing, but it would just be really good in this season. If you took a second, uh, maybe with your family, if you have that sort of dynamic going on, but for your own self, just truly take a second and just Breathe it in and out and remind yourself that the, everything you see around you, everything you see in you, the weaknesses and whatnot, they don't negate that this is a wonderful life. Nothing can negate the goodness of life. That's why you can pray for your enemies and bless those who persecute you, and that's why God doesn't wish that any should perish, because the worst of the worst, the the Osama bin Laden or the Hitler or whatever the, the biggest, baddest, bad guy is— That we want to say, that's fine, but God loved him as much as he loves me and you. God loved each evil person who did evil deeds just as much because their life, their gift of life was wonderful. What they did with it was horrible. What they did with it was wretched. And what they did with it, who knows where they ended up for eternity. We don't even, I'm not even going anywhere near that. What I'm saying is every human life is wonderful. Your life is wonderful. And when it comes to the dad factor, if that's something for you, I just what I have learned over the years is God the Father is not like your earthly father. No matter how good he is, your earthly father, the Father in heaven is just no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Your mind cannot fathom the goodness and the love that he has for you. You can always, always run to him. Remember that the church is always there for you. Uh, there's this this commercial for um, Catholics Come Home. And uh, it's just, it, <clears throat> it's small. It's a good commercial. It was from years ago. I think it's from Phoenix, but um, there's a line in there. It's just talking to you know people who may be interested in the church and whatnot, in, in Catholicism. And at one point it just says, for 2,000 years, we've been praying for you. I just, the, you know, Scripture says that when one part of the body is strengthened, the whole body is strengthened. When one part of the body weeps, The rest weep. When we suffer, we suffer together. And I just want to encourage you that you you are not alone in your suffering. You're not. Not only did, did Christ suffer, not only did God take on human form, embrace DNA, and become body, blood, soul, and divinity. Not only is that true, but when you suffer, I suffer too. And when you are overjoyed, so am I. And so is the body <clears throat> you are not alone in this you're a part of a whole you're never alone and then lastly don't there's there's just maybe this season don't try to change your circumstances maybe let go of <clears throat> of tinkering with your circumstances just let them be what they are and let yourself be changed uh, I always say this because I, I do believe that there's an actual God a God that is transcendent but also imminent who is, you know, beyond our brains, who created our brains, but also wants to be with us in our hearts. And he wants to be that imminent, so imminent that he became a child. He became one of us. He became small. And he is the one, that God the Father is the one that you can run to and just say, okay, then change me. Change my perception. Change my awareness. You don't have to change my life. You don't have to change my circumstances. That's fine. Just change me. And you can liken it to when the the prodigal son, <clears throat> when he leaves uh, the slop and the filth, and he decides to go home, his speech is, "Father, I, I don't even, I'm not even going to pretend to be your son. Can I just be near you? Can I just work on the farm? Can, can I just be near you?" And that's all we have to do is run to God and say, "Listen, I, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing with this life, but can I just be near you?" That's why He made humanity is to be with us. That's His heart all the time. So I don't know if I'll do more about It's a Wonderful Life. It is a wonderful life, and it's a perfect movie. Um, I'm sure you all agree now that it is your favorite movie, right? Thank you. No, I just, um, yep, I guess that's about it. Uh, It is a wonderful life, and have a good life, and I'll see you on the other side.